1: Hey, guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is my you receive 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST-125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The racebooks has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginal. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet you win you get paid bet us in the south it's always
2: college football season and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long southern sports today proudly presents the chuck oliver show it's an inside look at everything college football now live from atlanta georgia it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football chuck oliver on southern sports today
3: well this is about as bad as it gets for a team ranked number one in november it is the chuck oliver show on a friday and off field at least on field lost your quarterback uh what about that guard uh, oh my gosh we got both our starting corners are hurt off field this is about as bad as it could be for the Georgia bulldogs the number one team in america because there could be a real human victim here adam anderson rape allegedly all right folks, those four words, that that that's about 97% of what I know. What what I just said there. Adam Anderson rape allegedly. I, no charges? It is an open investigation. That is where it stands. Adam Anderson rape allegedly. That's that is about as much information as you're going to find from any official source right now there are already just scant details about a potential timeline and some uh, activities before like dinner or a drink or whatever it was. But as far as what's really important and like sends you to prison or things like that, or it doesn't um, or charges get dropped, that, that's it. 97% of what I got. And I don't know that we'll find a whole lot more, at least not right now. And, Despite the timeline of events, because this is the time frame we do know, that apparently it was seven days ago, like at midnight 01, last Friday morning, between midnight 01 and like 7 a.m. is when this allegation, this alleged rape is, is said to have occurred. That's from the, the person who says, I'm the victim. She went to the police. And so that's her uh, 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 recounting is that between midnight and 7, last Friday a.m., I don't know, we had had a drink. I wake up at his apartment, and things are happening, like, as I awaken. So she says she was able to leave. That's, so that was last Friday morning. Wait a minute, I have a question. And if your hand just shot up and went, if that was last Friday morning, why did he play against Florida? It's fair if that's the jump you made, um, despite the timeline of events. Now, I gave you the fact there. Those four words, the allegation, and <laughs> those four words, That's that's what I can give you and I can state as a fact. And I didn't say that. That's just a fact. I just repeated a fact. I'm about to give you an opinion. Despite the timeline of, of, of events, midnight to 7 a.m. is when it was alleged to have happened. And despite that it was hours later that the Georgia team boarded a bus and then got on a plane and then landed in St. Augustine and then played the next day and all that, I do not believe by any stretch at all. I don't think that there was any one person with any manner of authority in the UGA Athletic Department who knew about it on Friday when it was reported to the police and then decided, you know, I'll play that kid anyway. I, I don't, but now, like I said, I've jumped into Chuck's opinion world now. I don't believe there's that happened at all. I don't believe that. But again, beyond those four words that I've already said and also my opinion of how the folks in the UGA Athletic Department handled it, I have no guess on anything beyond that. No timeline, no anything. Might he never play in Athens again? Sure. That's an outcome sometimes, guilty or not. But it's also about 97% still to be determined. Here's what I can tell you about Adam Anderson. He's been suspended. That he is not injured, but he wasn't practicing this week, and that's something, hey, anybody seen Adam? No, he's not on the field. Huh. Okay, is he hurt? Nope. Okay, but so he hadn't practiced. So it seems that the coaching staff, and Kirby has issued a statement, and it's about as proper as it can be, that the coaching staff and whoever was involved, when they found out, they're like, yeah, Adam, we're removing you from team activities. You're not part of this. What I've been told is he's suspended indefinitely. Um, And again, I want to say, might he never play again in Athens? Sure, that's a scenario that unfolds sometimes. Another scenario is charges are dropped. And I have no indication or prediction how this goes. I know that just right now on a Friday, and it's not because of the Missouri game tomorrow, I think Georgia could bench its entire starting defense and still get the dub tomorrow. They'd just run for about 350 yards and never give up the ball. So this doesn't affect Georgia tomorrow and whatever. And there's a chance it doesn't really affect Georgia at all. So I don't think right now, at least, it's about this. But I also have no idea how this is going to unfold. So um, that is that is a really, really, really awful thing. Um, Even the allegation, and so we will see how it happens uh, as we move down the road. We're going to take a quick break. Come back, talk a little Voss. Adam Sparks, is that right? Yeah, my buddy Adam Sparks from uh, Knoxville News. Coming up next on the Chuck Oliver Show.
2: Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcasts. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck
3: Oliver Show. Among the least expected truths i could give you right now is the tennessee balls got bowl eligible october 9th uh now by math that hasn't actually happened yet but on october 9th after beating south carolina team improved to four and two since they've played Ole miss and alabama who i believe are the two best teams they played and they lost to them Um, if you want to throw florida in there and pitt is the next there's a fair chance that if you look at the tennessee season on balance If you look at the four best teams they've played to this point, they've lost all four of them. But on October 9th, they beat South Carolina to get them to four wins. You need six by allegation, unless you get a waiver. And with South Alabama and Vanderbilt still hanging out at the end of November, yeah, Vols are bowl eligible, which kind of leads you into why you got a headline you may have seen today. Uh, Do we remember when Miami realized they weren't going to be real good one year? during the Al golden years and they were like two and six and they announced a postseason ban we would like to self-impose a postseason ban. (laughs) well that is big of you miami hoping to curry some favor from the ncaa yeah not so much in knoxville right now we will talk that as well as what's going on on the field because it's been pretty exciting this year with good friend of the program i'm gonna call him from the knoxville news it is adam sparks brother how are you today i'm doing real good how are you doing then okay, uh, looks like a, a little bit of math in the athletic uh, department says, yeah, we'll let the NCAA decide our bowl fate. Uh, we're not just going to offer it up. I mean, they're bowl eligible at this point, basically, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things on this. Um, so basically, yeah, they came out and said, we're not going to self-impose the bowl ban. That had been a question around Knoxville really since, uh, well, in the preseason for sure uh, because the NCAA, alleged NCAA violations that occurred under Jeremy Pruitt now, those were supposedly recruiting violations. I think the take from Tennessee is going to be uh, when NCAA comes down on us, do it with measures that affects recruiting and not necessarily what goes on in season, which would be uh, which would be a bowl ban. There was a question if they would try to curry favor a little bit with NCAA by, by self-imposing. Now, if you're going to do that, though, there's some interesting timing to it. You kind of need to do it probably in the preseason I mean, they. You know, there was even thought that they're going to do this when they do it about two or three weeks into the season. But that's when they lost to pit. Which, as kind of you're alluding to, if you lose your toss-up games and you're maybe a six and six, seven and five team, you can't self-impose a bowl ban after you lose one of those games because you're you're kind of because you're trending towards eight losses. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're they're in better shape now. Yeah, they're going to be probably six and six or seven and five, depending on how this Kentucky game goes tomorrow. So. They came out with the announcement. Um, I, you know, I mean, there's different takes to this, too. If you if you were to do a bowl ban now, uh, it probably makes more sense than, than what the NCAA would give you, which would be year three or year four of Josh Hopple. But if you think you're not going to get a postseason ban, it's going to be more of limiting recruiting visits and scholarships and that sort of thing. Um then then you don't self-impose and you let the, the sanctions go elsewhere because then if you're if you're self-imposing a bowl ban, you may be taking away stuff and the NCAA wasn't going to take away anyway.
3: Continue with Adam Sparks from Knoxville News. And I will say to anybody listening right now, apart from Adam, um, I want every kid to have a chance to go on a bowl trip, get the watch, get the Best Buy gift card, whatever. That is a fun thing for a lot of kids. So I have zero criticism. If Tennessee wants to kind of work a hustle here and get their kids to a 13th game, God bless them. All right, Adam, back to me and you. Um, Before we talk about um, tomorrow's game, uh, let's talk health for Tennessee. Um, Just a quick flyover, uh, any of the studs, any of the really important pieces either missing or maybe coming back or close to 100%.
4: Yeah, their top running back, Tyon Evans, has had a little bit of an ankle issue the last couple of games. He was limping uh, against Alabama. I I think he will probably come back. I'd say he's probably, he's he's probable at this point. Cade Mays, their best offensive lineman, the one that used to play at Georgia, I'd say he's probable for this game. Health wise, they're going to be in much better shape than they've probably been since about week, week two. Um, So that they'll, this is the, after you're, you're off week, this is where you want to be for the stretch run. And this is their most important game of the season. So I I would say their health, It's been maybe a C-minus or D. At this point, it's probably going to be maybe a a B-minus at at this point in the year.
3: I think most folks coming in, um, they knew Hendon Hooker. And then, like everybody, it's like, wait a minute, Joe Joe Milton, he's transferring there after spring practice. Uh, So it was a curveball for a bunch of folks, but eventually it kind of worked out the way most of us expected. Um, Why has this been such a, I mean, square peg, square hole? Hendon Hooker is a good fit for this offense. Why does it work so well?
4: Yeah, he is. Um, They need a dual-threat guy. He can run. Um, They've had offensive line injuries, depth issues, so many things there. So you can't have just a statue that sits back there. Um, Hooker is an elusive runner. He's a tough runner, uh, very very decisive. He started 15 games at Virginia Tech, and it, it shows. Sometimes guys play a lot. And it, you can't really tell; they just make the same mistakes over and over. And th- that's what Joe Milton was doing. Yep. Everything that the knock on him at Michigan are the same knocks on him at, at Tennessee. But you can look at how Hendon Hooker plays in terms of his decision making, when to when to tuck it and go, when to hang in the pocket, and all those things show look like a guy that's played a, a whole lot of Power Five football. And he's, uh, I mean, he's like fourth or fifth in the country in passer rating right now. He's only thrown two interceptions. Yep. His decision-making is wonderful. That's what makes him a good fit for this offense.
3: All right, I'm going to ask about the most boring question to anybody who's not a Tennessee fan. But Darnell Wright came out as a five-star tackle. He and Wanya showed up together. Wanya, of course, started way before Darnell, and, and Darnell was even over on the rights. What has he become now? Because he is finally a left tackle, and he's this giant human. What is he as a player now?
4: He's somewhere between serviceable and good um i mean you could go around to the UT fan base and ask about Darnell Wright and they'll say you know he's he's worked hard and he's play he's having his best season but if you look at the projections of yeah those stars coming out of high school he's been a disappointment i'm i'm, I'm always weirded out by calling a college kid a bust yeah. cuz they're not they're not in the draft they they're not pros but if you gauge it like that he has not turned out what you thought you would get out of him. Um, now the, 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 the other side of that is, yeah, they're, they're two tackles. Their other two tackles from last year are not finishing their careers here. So I think UT has given him the benefit of the doubt saying, we know you haven't worked out as well as we thought you would, but you did stay the course and you're now a starting left tackle what what should be a bowl team. So I think that's a plus.
3: All right, flip it around to defense. Adam, I swear, if we went back two months and, and you let me write down the last question I would be asking you eight games into the season, it would be, wow, how's Jeremy Banks so good? Um, he's not really a linebacker. He is now. Um, he's not the biggest kid in the world. I tell you what, he'll hit you. Um, and, and somehow, if he gets his mitts on you, you're going down. I mean, this has been a really good year for him.
4: Yeah, I think back to my childhood, I was a big Lawrence Taylor fan, and that was a guy who was crazy good and occasionally crazy bad, and, <laughs> and Jeremy Banks has got a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that balance. He leads them in tackle, he leads them in tackle for loss, he leads them in sacks. Um, he's got a pick this year, and, every, and but he he averages like one and a half personal fouls per week. Yeah. And so you ask coaches every week, and coaches always give you the same line. of If he keeps doing that, eventually we're going to have to pull him out and some, put somebody else in. We can't have that undisciplined play. And, and then he gets, you know, nine tackles and two TFLs and causes a fumble. And they say, well, if you do that penalty one more time, we're going to pull you out. Mm-hmm. But he never gets pulled out because his good crazy is better than his bad crazy. And his energy on this on this defense is – it's it's just so many more pluses than minuses. So they've lived with the minuses of the penalties.
3: Only other guy I want to ask you about over there, Alante Taylor. We've got about a minute and a half, so you can run with a little bit here. Um, Just athletic is all get out. And um, I've been told by a scout that he can make the NFL just on special teams, just on forcing fair catches on punts that Alante Taylor could play on Sundays as well as what he does in the secondary.
4: Hmm, That's interesting. I I, I can see that. Uh, He's a smart player. He has good special teams player. Uh, The knock on him that would keep him out of the early rounds maybe is that I I think his his reputation is that he's a very, very good uh, zone corner. And maybe even he could even be a nickel at the next level. He's not as good in man coverage. Um, That's gotten better as he's gotten older. But, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's a team leader. He's one of the most respected players on the team, very smart player. Uh, he's got an interesting thing here that there's in these nil deals. There's a, a cookie company here, a bakery locally that gives out uh, two free cookies every time Alante Taylor gets an interception. So so anytime <laughs> he gets a pick in a game, there's thousands of people lined up at a, some local store awesome. here to get their free cookies. And so that's that people notice him a whole lot more because of that.
3: All right, uh, I don't want to tax your time, but at least kind of think about it uh, next Friday, Dan. Is it next Friday? Yeah, I'm broadcasting. I'm going to be at the uh, booth there at Neyland. Maybe if you can come by during the show, I'll let you and Dan talk about that if you're available, okay?
4: Absolutely. Sounds good.
3: All right, Adam Sparks, again, from the Knoxville News. Appreciate him making some time. Follow him on Twitter, at Adam Sparks. And, again, uh, Tennessee this week, on the road, taking on Kentucky. And you're talking about an opportunity for Tennessee to have not just its best win of the season, I don't disrespect them at all, but not just their best win of the season. Um, but I, I would, depending on what happens with South Carolina, maybe they beat Auburn again for a second year, and I don't think so. But um, it would be their only actual good win of the season to this point, I believe. Going on the road, beating a ranked team, that's not nothing. And that's a lot more than hammering South Carolina at home. It is. So, this is their chance for their first actual quality good win of the season because I don't think it's going to happen next week against Georgia. And right now, we are looking at the difference between a six win bowl and a seven win bowl. And so, Tennessee's looking to take advantage.
5: It's all about football now, pro and college. Lines for this week are coming your way. Hi, I'm Dan Matthews for BetUS. And let's get to some of those odds. How about we start with Auburn at Texas AM? Aggies are a four and a half point favorite. Aggies are also. Minus 200 on the money line. Tigers plus 170 over under is 49 and a half. LSU, a huge underdog at Alabama. Crimson Tide, a 28 and a half point favorite over under is 66 and a hook. North Carolina State on the road against Florida State. Wolfpack are just a two and a half point favorite against the Knowles. Money line is minus 135 for NC State. The Knolls are plus 115 over under 55 and a half. Wake Forest, believe it or not, a road underdog at struggling North Carolina. The Tar Heels favored by two and a hook. Demon Deacons are plus 115 on the money line at UNC minus 135. Over under is 76 and a half. Let's head to the pros as the Bengals, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home for the in-state Browns. Cincinnati is minus-130 money line. Cleveland is plus-110 over under 47 points. Steelers are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite on Monday night for the Bears as Pittsburgh is minus-265 money line. Chicago plus-225 Over under is 40. How about a chance to make some money when you sign up with BetUS? How about you enter the promo code SST125 with this promo code, BetUS, giving you 125% on a sign-up bonus. For example, that first deposit, $100, you're getting an extra 125 bucks. You're using cryptocurrency? That's cool. Enter the promo code SST200. When you do this, you get a 200% sign-up bonus on crypto deposits. So if that first crypto deposit is $100, you're getting $200 extra. Those are a look at some of the odds for the weekend brought to you by BetUS, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. <laughs>
2: Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today.
3: If you DeLorean back. Ten years ago, right now, this very moment, I can tell you where I was. Ten years ago today, I was in the press box at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. East Carolina was about to take on Southern Miss. I was doing Conference USA Game of the Week for Comcast. And so I was there with Mike Morgan. Actually, we're getting ready to do the game. Um, that's not important. The reason I bring that up is because following the game, I got in my car, my rental, and I broke at least a dozen major laws trying to get back to my Hampton Inn for kickoff of LSU, Alabama, nine to six in overtime. It was two Godzillas standing at 50 yard line, throwing sledgehammers at each other. Um, and I, years later, we saw the number, I don't know, it was like 60 players wound up either drafted or in the league. Or That's the realm in which I'm used to talking about an LSU-Alabama game. The matchup, the slight edge, who's out, oh, how many, what would it take? I don't know that this week I've actually talked about this game matchup. Wanna bring on now a guy who uh, he knows all about the LSU program and if I want to talk the game he can, but I wonder if he's sharing my opinion about the uh, LSU Bama matchup tomorrow night. From one oh four five ESPN yonder in Baton Rouge, it is T Bob A Bear. T Bob, brother, how are you today?
6: Kang, what's up, man? Uh yeah, no, look, man, you are you are spot on. Unfortunately, this year, uh there just doesn't there's just not a lot of reason for hope for LSU. Now, I will say this. I will say this. For whatever it is worth, right? Because we are talking about long, odd situation here, right? Mm -hmm. Like If you have a 5% chance,
4: uh,
6: you know, you're not going to hit it. It's a 95% chance that you won't, unless you do. And 20-some odd years ago to the day tomorrow is a day that is very famous in LSU history. It is the day when pigs flew. It is the day when a bad, curly, Holman led football team beat the defending national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. So, again, in all likelihood, this game ends without you getting their ass kicked tomorrow. And it probably, I mean, it absolutely probably does. But, but, like Dumb and Dumber, dude, you're telling me there's a chance. There, There is technically a
3: chance here. David picked up the stone and he slung it and he hit the Philistine. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Um, but let's—I'm let's, going to be positive and I'm going to be honest. So don't laugh at me. Just work with me here. Let's talk about what could happen because this is true. LSU's offensive line and LSU's running backs—or running back if it's just Ty Davis Price—it um, has been getting healthier and it has been getting better. Talk about those two units.
6: Uh, yeah, man. Look, you—you you, you saw some improvement. Out of the offensive line, for sure, as they got healthier, like you said, you had the emergence of a couple guys like Anthony Bradford at left tackle, and Marlon Martinez played a good game against Florida at right guard. The problem is nobody recognizes those names for good reason, and they mean way more to only the obsessive LSU fans than anyone else because they are young guys who are maybe developing. Problem is right now, LSU doesn't have a particularly good O-line, and they don't have a particularly good O-lineman in the kind of pipeline. Either. And and to be frank, like every other good LSU player this year, Anthony Bradford is now out for the season. Mason Smith is now the latest news on crutches. It just, uh, I don't know what deal with the football devil was made in 2019, but here in 2021 and kind of 2020 to a certain extent, it feels like if you are a bright spot for LSU, you end up kind of uh, getting snuffed out for the rest of the season. So like it is an improving offensive line and I guess the issue there becomes, well, what are you where was the base, right? You could be getting better, but if you started really bad, what does that mean now? You're below average. So yeah, I mean it's not it's not great. And to be fair to these players, I don't I don't think they're being put in the best position to succeed all the time. I mean LSU three times this year on fourth and goal has had to call timeout. Yep. Because they couldn't get the play in. Yep. Like, like there is a fundamentally bad offensive operation mechanics philosophy behind a lot of this. And I thought there was a real interesting clip. I'm, uh, I'm sure y'all played it. If you did not look it up. But like coach O this week. Basically oh God. Yes. About it. Yeah. You know, like a self-scouting period. And it was, you know, you saw a man freed from the burden of expectation and the burden of trying to remain employed. And you got some real bitter honesty where Fell felt go like, oh, basically acknowledging that the hiring of the coordinators and the schemes then installed, you know, he realized that that is ultimately what cost him. Like, he, and then there's other, you know, there's context around this in terms of contract numbers and what you're allowed to kind of offer, but, like, he hired two guys that have never called plays before, and unfortunately, it feels like you hired two guys who have never called plays before.
3: Continuing with T. Bob A. Bear uh, here, every single morning one hundred five, uh, one hundred four five ESPN in Baton Rouge. Um, I'm drilling down a little bit, but this is this is legit as well. Uh, four stud freshmen uh receivers in the program there's been some injuries with a couple of them a couple of them have really kind of started to emerge but hilton's back um deion smith is going to at least travel to alabama so there's some options uh besh has been a stud all year um neighbors Uh, just talk about the freshman receivers
6: look the freshman receivers remain one of the long-term jewels in this crowd and let's be clear the cabinet is not bare Like, there will be attrition uh, with the coaching chains. There always is, right? There will be more guys to transfer. There will be recruits that you lose. But at the end of the day, Coach O turned in consistent top five recruiting classes. Uh, I I always go back to this chart at 247, put that there. Because when it comes to recruiting, I don't care about the micro, right? I don't care about an individual prospect, this five-star, that four-star. I do care about the macro. I do think the the percentage of four stars, all that kind of stuff, I do think that that ends up bearing out on the field, right? And LSU, I think, was like fifth in the country with like a 66% percent blue chip ratio, right? So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, they have a lot of great talent. Now, positionally, they need a lot of work at O-line, and that's what they're going to have to try to solve during the transfer portal. Like, the O-line situation is still scary. Everywhere else, they're fine in my opinion, and that wide receiver, it goes beyond being fine. That is without a doubt the strength of this team. The problem is right now they're young. Again, the offensive system kind of feels like it's dinging everybody a little bit. And right now, Max Johnson is not necessarily in his best form either. I mean, removing Keyshawn Boutet from this team is just a, a death blow for this offense. And quite frankly, they just can't handle
3: oh my the, the players and then you talk about the two corners um i thought stingley going into the season i thought he might be the best player like he is a better corner than whoever is a running back and so the amount of talent that is just kind of vaporized off this roster uh it's unreal let's a uh, couple of quick ones to finish uh miles brennan uh where's his story go next
6: I, I can't speak to where, but, dude, I mean, think about this. So, you know, how people make jokes like, this is my boy, people make jokes about like Matt Flynn and others, you know, these backup quarterbacks that flashed, and then the market for them got huge, even though they flashed in these small sample sizes. Really think about what Miles Brennan did when he actually got on the field. He was incredible. He averaged 375 per game with three-and-a-half touchdowns think, yep. to one pick. Like, like his stats were insane. And then he got an injury to his abs that literally had never been done before. They almost
3: named a surgery after him if he would have had the oh, surgery. Oh, it's going to be Tommy John sir. It's going to be Miles Brennan surgery.
6: Exactly. And then he breaks his arm before the year this year. So, there's, like, these really just long-odd, horrible beats that have really upset his story. So, like, in terms of potential, like – we need a guy for one year, I don't know that you're gonna find a better transfer target than Miles Brennan. So it's not saying he's hundred gonna be good. It's just that you're not gonna find anybody else with that small but impressive of a resume and just the kind of, well, you can't really know because he just didn't get opportunities because of injuries otherwise. And then, you know, and then he's sitting behind Joe Burrow. Which like who's gonna blame you for sitting behind Joe Burrow? So no, the the market for Miles is insane, which is why I can't really speak to where he's going because there's just – I mean, we're, we're talking over 100 schools that are reaching out to Miles Vernon right now, I'm sure.
3: Should. Absolutely. I agree with you, by the way. And I've said that, be oh, he yeah, had one game. I was like, no, it was more than one game he had last three. year. Absolutely. Um, last thing I want to ask he you, played, who's
6: – I mean, in, in that Mizzou game last year, too, he threw like 400, four touchdowns. It was his best game. And he played that entire game with that torn so like yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of upside there. Uh,
3: who's the coach and when?
6: No idea who the coach will be. Um, I just can't even pretend to know, right? The, the, these processes I've learned, I've done this long enough. I've learned that I just don't. You know, everything is rooted in a kernel of truth, but therefore nothing is real because there's so many feelers out. There's so many avenues being explored. That's what due diligence is. So I have no idea who the coach is. I do feel confident, unless it's like an NFL coach, I would have to imagine that you have to announce this championship week, right? So, oh, yeah, the season yeah. ends, Thanksgiving, all that. You get in championship week. You have two weeks, basically, before the early signing day. And, again, everything at this point for LSU is about mitigating damage, uh, mitigating the damage of the transition, You know, avoiding attrition, avoiding the signing class falling apart, people transferring, and an early solid announcement championship week seems to check those boxes
3: all right well tell Moscona and jacob and tell everybody we said hey okay absolutely k take it easy brother i appreciate you t bob t bob a bear 104.5 in baton rouge and the story is that i'm being told we've even talked about it on air so this is in private stuff you can find this all over everywhere um james franklin mel tucker are names lane kiffin is a name I, and, and one thing T-Bob said there that, that I agree with is like, there's a kernel of truth everywhere, which means none of it's, you know, I've got 11 different possibilities and they all have some truth to them. I mean, 10 of them ain't true. Maybe 11 of them aren't. So LSU, it's, you know how I'll put it this way. You don't have to be in a hurry to hire the coach at LSU. In fact, there are, you know how, um, in whatever sport it is, you know, I'm a wide receiver and I'm hitting free agency. I want to hit free agency after a guy like who's the best receiver in the league right now? Who are we call on that? Whoever hits free agency, DeAndre Hopkins, whoever, and signs his deal. I want to hit free right after that. It's it sets the mark. LSU, LSU is a program. I dare say more so than USC. Absolutely. Yes, state income tax in Louisiana. Yeah, okay, um, you know, it's not thirteen point nine, which is California. Uh, I think it's the best job on the market. It's the best job that will be available. And so if you're LSU, you don't have to be in a hurry to do anything with it. So I appreciate T-Bob coming on. Um, we got folks all throughout their uh, their lineup to come on. It's just the best LSU information out there. So I always am grateful. We're going to break, wrap up hour one on a Friday next.
2: To Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show.
6: They're all kind of still coming, and uh, but we love all those guys. And uh, you know Mitchell, I think is 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 a guy that hadn't had as much opportunity. And again, every game down to the every play seems like life or death. But uh, uh, they're making good progress, and you know, hopefully they'll get uh, a little more
3: opportunity down the stretch. That's Davo? Not sounding very. November Dabo but let me he just he mentioned Mitchell there Mitchell Mays he's a 19 year old offensive tackle who's had to play a whole lot of football for Clemson and normally when you get like a 19 year old playing it's like a five-star like uh, who's the kid Jackson Carmen that was going to Ohio State and decided ah, I'm going to Clemson instead or it's um, uh, Mitch Hyatt he was a four-star maybe a five-star he started as a freshman at left tackle and he started for four years that's not what it is right now. Uh, if you look across the offensive line for Dabba, and they've got Louisville tomorrow. And Louisville's a challenge, uh, especially for a team that can't. So see, when you don't score, every opponent's in the game. When you, when When you can't score, then that means you don't run away from anybody, even if you're way better. We start the fourth quarter. Clemson's up twenty-one to six over whoever it is. Guess what? Twenty-one to six. You know what twenty-one to six is? It's called a ball game. We got a ball game. Starting at left tackle, working my way across. Uh, McFadden, he's he's an old man. All right, Jordan. Compared to the rest of the offensive line, he's got a walker. I see a freshman. I see a freshman. I see a sophomore. I see a redshirt sophomore. I see another redshirt sophomore. I see a freshman, a junior, sophomore, sophomore, sophomore. That's the offensive lineman. That is the 11 top offensive lineman for Clemson. They barely shave. They barely vote. They can't buy alcohol. Rent a car. Are you kidding me? And tomorrow, they go on the road to play a good enough Louisville team that could get the win. So that's where Dabo... And Clemson sit right now going on the weekend. Now, what I am expecting to happen, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if this is already a little bit uh, kind of starting to occur. Um, I think we've seen some cracks. That there are so many examples I can give you of a team that has an elite level defense. And I'm saying if you are top 10 or top 12, top let's say top 15 out of 130, if you're top 15, you got an elite defense. If you're giving up somewhere in 16, 17, 18, 19 a game, you're still in that really outstanding that's Clemson's defense I can name I can give you 10 examples over the last couple of decades a particular season that a team had that level of defense where Clemson is now not where they were week one in Charlotte where they are now where you get to week six or seven. like I said I thought this was going to happen already but it's, They're trying to extend it, it seems. You get to week six, seven, eight, into November, and then the dam breaks. At some point, you have an injury on defense, and you're playing more snaps than you're expected to play on defense, and so you're going a little further down the depth chart anyway, and then all of a sudden, even the studs who are still in the lineup, they just get worn out. I'll give you ten examples. And this is the 11th. We look even against a team like George in the opener. What that elite defense do? Well, he gave up 10. Go down the, the rest of the schedule, though, and you see worrisome episodes for Clemson. South Carolina State was never going to be a competitive thing. Georgia Tech what I'm talking about. They only scored 14 that night, which meant that even Georgia Tech, a way overmatched opponent, was in the game. 14 to 8 and a freshman running back has to recover a fumble in the end zone, or maybe you lose. Next week at NC State, now they went to overtime, but they gave up 27. 13 to BC, 14 to Syracuse. What's wrong with that, Chuck? These teams aren't good. And do you know what the score was? See, they gave up 13 when they beat Boston College. Isn't that supposed to be like 40 to 13? It was 19 to 13. They only gave up 14, beat Syracuse. It's supposed to be like 56 to 14. It was 17 to 14. Pitt gave up 27, and that's a really good offense, but they gave up 27. Last week, Florida State's not a good offense. It's a different offense, and it's an improving offense. And boy, they bottled up Jordan Travis. I mean, He might have finished with like negative rushing yards. Um... But they gave up 20. They got UConn in a week, and they're not much. They got South Carolina at the end of the season, and I don't know what that offense is going to look like. I know Doty's not going to be playing, and neither will Zub Nolan probably. he could. I think he could come back is what I've been told, and maybe that's just generally I was told The way I was told was he probably will be healthy enough to come back if he wants the final game or two. What's the point? Hmm, that's fair. But Clemson's got Louisville tomorrow, and they also have Wake Forest. Those teams can run it up on you. Those teams can light it up. Doesn't mean they're great teams. Doesn't mean postseason this, that, or the third. But it means against a Clemson defense that has been having to hold the rope almost by itself going all the way back to September 4th. Yeah, that defense, I'm telling you, one of either Louisville or Wake Forest will score 40. South Carolina will get in the mid to high 20s. That's what happens when suddenly you're just flat worn out. And it's not just, well, we got to start a freshman or a sophomore. At least they're healthy and fresh. I can't say that about Miles Murphy right now, for instance. All
5: right. Uh, Dan, how are you today? Oh, man. I mean, you know, who could have ever seen especially with all the continuity they've had coaching-wise this coming at Clemson, but It's definitely a heaping helping of adversity there right now, and that's something, again, in the upstate they have not been used to. I want to actually harken back to something that you and T-Bob talked about a few minutes ago, and that is, of course, with LSU's head coaching search. I think that people need to notice patterns with people in how they hire. We've seen this now at least twice with Scott Woodard in how he hires his coaches. And I think that it follows two criteria. It harkens back to something that I heard from a Major League Baseball GM a few years ago when he had just gotten hired. He pulled all the media together and said, do not text me asking me for scoop. It's not going to happen. And if you hear anything from our building, it's not coming from inside the group that I have assembled. It's coming from somewhere else. And it's not going to be any of our guys. You're not going to see it coming. And you're not going to hear about it. That's the same thing with Scott Woodward. Is no, He's I hear the only, only source. No, he is the only source. No. And he keeps it that way. And also, though, too, Chuck, I've been told that he will sometimes float some dummy balls out there just to kind of see, hey, where are the loose lips and where are the leaks in the ship right here? I need to make sure I don't have them. But again, the two things that I think you need to look out here for is, number one, it's going to be a big name. That's what he does in hiring his coaches. I mean, you've seen it from everybody, from Jimbo Fisher to Chris Peterson at Washington, even in his time at LSU with hiring Kim Mulkey over from yeah. uh, from Baylor yeah. and bringing over Jay Johnson from Air. Arizona as well those are two names that you look at and say if you're an LSU fan he's gonna get somebody I think a name that's out there and I know that James Carville threw it out and it makes so much sense to me and I was talking about this the other day Lincoln Riley makes a lot of sense there for him because I think you look at it as do I want to try to win at Oklahoma or do I want to win at LSU because the difference is right now he's got the built-in recruiting base there in southern Louisiana and also to being able to go across state lines into Texas into both Houston and Dallas with the purple and gold on and carry some cachet and be able to build on the program from there I think that that is somebody that you need to look at I've heard all the names what's that get him versus staying at OU I think it gets him at least another jump forward in terms of being able to win I think his <laughs> climb at OU is going to be even more because we've seen what's happened with programs like OU when they come into the SEC why not go to a place where at least you have the foundation already built
3: all right yeah because he's coming to the SEC regardless uh, if he if he stays there you're right um, better recruiting got to go head to head with Alabama. See, we don't know what Alabama's going to be in 24, 25, 26, et cetera. That's an interesting name, Dan Matthews. All right, folks, puts a bow on hour one. Be back in just a few minutes.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?